Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, suffering... Suffering is a reality in our lives. You know, when you're born, whether you realize it or not, you're born with hope. Hope for a good life, and especially as Americans, we we have the American dream that we pursue, that everything's going to be rosy. And and then we, we see different things, graduations, weddings. All of those things, There's there's hope for the future, isn't there? But the sad fact is, is that the reality of the life in which we live, it's filled with suffering. It's filled with hurts. It comes in the form of a pink slip from your boss that tells you that you're no longer going to work here. Maybe it comes in a report of a doctor who says that you have cancer. And you only have a few months to live. Maybe it's an accident. It takes a life. It's found by a casket. It's found in heartbreak. It's a reality that, that really all of us face. We try to avoid it, don't we? Think about it. We try to avoid it. We try to do everything possible to avoid pain. We try to do everything possible to avoid hurt. But it's a part of our lives. That is a reality. And it, it, you need to grasp, the, grasp it because it's so, it seems so foreign to us that struggling... Well, look at how our nation is responding. We, we think that one or two guys is going to help us. And they maybe can affect some policy changes, but I'm going to be honest with you. They can't remove suffering. It's a part of our lives. And it goes all the way back to the garden. It goes all the way back to the garden where sin first entered in. And sin by its very nature is destructive. It brings pain. It brings hurt. It brings suffering. You say, well, that's a reality, but how, how do I get through it, George? How, how do I deal with this issue of pain and suffering in my life? If God, because here's the other thing, God doesn't promise to take it away either. Listening to me? You say, well, what's up with that? Well, we're going to see today. Very familiar passage. I've actually preached it a few times. But it fits right with what we're talking about, the issue of suffering of God's imperfect people. I want you to look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. These are the words of the Apostle. The, the Apostle Paul, think about this, this is the Apostle Paul, wrote half of the New Testament, influenced a man by the name of Luke, who wrote another two books of the, old, of the New Testament, Luke and the book of Acts. 
So here's a guy, I mean, if you think about it, somebody is a super Christian. But I want you to notice what his words are. Notice with me, verse 7, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast, rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Here's the Apostle Paul. He faces the reality of suffering in his own life and he comes to a conclusion about how to deal with it and that's it's only God that can get him through it. My friends, you're going through something right now. Maybe nobody else knows what it is. Maybe some others do. You're wrestling. You're struggling. You're suffering. You're hurting. And you can even get to the place where you think that God doesn't care because he's not taking away your problem. You're wrong. He does care. And while he may not take away your problem, he will give you grace for suffering. And so this is what we're going to do today. We're going to look at this passage. We're going to see the nature of suffering. Paul's going to give us a description of what suffering is from his life. And then we're going to see the grace of God. And from that, we hope we can draw some principles for you and I as we live in this world right now, as we face the reality of suffering. And let me just remind you, I told you this last week. I told you this the week before. You maybe aren't going through anything right now. Don't get comfortable. It's around the corner. It's coming. And it's going to hit you like a Mack truck. Let's hope it isn't a Mack truck. Because that's reality. So I want you to notice me, the nature of suffering. First thing I want you to see is, the very first thing, Paul says this. He said, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations... Here's what he says. First thing I want you to notice is this. It strikes at our pride and self-sufficiency. Suffering strikes at our pride and self-sufficiency. Here's the Apostle Paul. In the very first six verses, he describes himself in the second person, third person actually, as that he knew a man who was taken up to heaven, who saw some wonderful things. God revealed to him some wonderful things things that were not lawful for him to even speak. Now, Paul is talking about himself there, so he saw some... I mean, think about the privilege of being taken and shown the things of heaven and then told you can't share them. I mean, that's some wonderful things, isn't it? Now, here's what Paul says. Because of this, I was given a problem. And the reason I was given a problem is so that I wouldn't get prideful. So I wouldn't get prideful about what I saw. Listen, I want you to understand about suffering. Suffering reveals to you real quick that you're not God. Did you hear what I said? 
Problems will real, reveal to you really quick that you're not in control. How many of you have control over what's happening on Wall Street? Raise your hand. Nobody here. But boy, aren't we all affected. How many of you have control over whether or not you're going to get a cold? It's flu season. You say, well, yeah, I can wash my hands. Well, yeah, I mean, you can do all that and still get sick. But do all that, please. Don't say George said not to do that, okay? Here's my point. I want you to see. You're not God. And the nature of suffering, it comes in and it strikes at our pride. It strikes at our self-sufficiency. And you realize real quick, no matter how much big your wallet is, how big your bank account is, how much brain power you have, no matter how much you try to insulate yourself from the issue of suffering in your life, it's going to come in and reveal to you real quick, you're not in control. That's the nature of suffering. You're not in control. Notice now the other thing Paul says. He describes it in this way. Look at verse 7. He says, A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. For a couple things I want you to see here. First of all, I want you to notice about suffering is this. It tortures us emotionally and physically. Our English translation doesn't bring it out well enough. It says a thorn. So when you're looking at this, you're probably thinking about a briar patch and a thorn on a, on a rose or something. That is not what he's describing here. The word actually means an instrument of torture. Paul is saying to him that a problem was given to him that was an instrument of torture. Now, understand what torture does. Torture does not just afflict you physically. When you torture somebody, you're not just afflicting them physically, you're also afflicting them what? Mentally and emotionally too. And isn't that what happens? A lot of times the suffering that enters into your life, there may be a physical component of it, but mostly it is an emotional thing. It strikes at the hearts of your emotions. And then of course the mental takes place. Why am I going through this? Did I do something? Is this, is this God's anger at me? And you're beating yourself up because of what you're going through? He describes suffering as a very real thing that really will torture you and I. And so I want you to notice that. It is a torturous thing. It's something that's very real to us. And so then he goes on and he describes it this way. He says that suffering has a spiritual dimension. So here's the problem. You and I, even as Christians, we live in a, a material world. We, we live in a physical world where we can touch things. And so that's what we think in terms of, of the physical, that I can, you know, what we can touch, see, smell, or hear. But the Bible makes it very clear that as believers, we don't just live in a physical world, we live in a spiritual world. And he makes it very clear that suffering has a spiritual dimension, and he referred to it, what was given to him was not just an instrument of torture to torture him emotionally and physically, but rather it was also a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. He said, what are you talking about? Think back all the way to the Old Testament, to the book of Job, first two chapters of the book of Job, what do you see there? 
A guy who is blessed, who has lots of wealth, and while he's carrying on with his life, there's an interchange between God and Satan. And God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Satan says, well, that's because you're watching him. You let me touch him and we'll see what he does. God says to him, okay. You can take everything he has, but don't touch his life. And we'll see how he does. Job had no clue. Had no clue that was going on. See, my friends, you need to understand that there is a spiritual dimension. You live in a spiritual world. And so the suffering that takes place in your life, there is a spiritual dimension to it. And let me just be honest with you, because we live in a world today where we don't believe in Satan anymore. He's real. And he seeks to destroy your life. He seeks to destroy your marriages. He seeks to destroy your family, your kids. He seeks to destroy this church. We need to come to grips with that. That's the nature of suffering. There's one other thing I want you to see here, and that's this. Notice verse 8. Notice what Paul says. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Notice that. Here's the apostle. He's going through such a severe problem. And his natural response is to go to God and to go to God and say, God, this is, and, and we can relate to this, take this away from me. And it says he asked that three different times. Three different times. Here's the point I want you to see. Here's the nature of suffering. The nature of suffering is this. Our natural response is to cry out to God. Our natural response is to cry out to God. I got a book this week and I didn't even expect it. It showed up. And it's a book, a new book by Jonathan Falwell called One Great Truth. And it's a story, many of you know, Jerry Falwell died last year in May. And Jonathan, his son, who was being groomed for it, took over the senior pastor of Thomas Road Baptist Church. And this book talks about, it's a very candid sharing on his part about his dad's death and then taking it over and drawing principles from the life of Joshua, who took over after Moses. And I've been reading this book. It's a great book. I'm already halfway through it. I've only had it for three days. Great book. But I, I came across this quote, which I thought fit with what we were talking about here. I want you to listen to what he says. Our response to these challenges is what defines us. We have a choice at these pivotal times in our lives. We can retreat within ourselves and let grief overwhelm us and prevent us from feeling God's tender touch. Or, number two, we can allow God to carry us to greater heights as a result of the suffering we experience. When I faced the reality that my dad was gone, I had to choose how I would carry on from that day forward. I could have decided to live in the past, to dwell on all the amazing things that I had learned and experienced watching my dad over the past 41 years and spend the rest of my days looking back. Or, I could choose to build on those experiences, reflecting on the value of those times, but looking forward and allowing them to be building blocks for the future. These two options are not unique to my situation. They are basically true in the lives of every individual 
We must choose between two paths on a regular basis. You know, I've told you this before. Suffering will either draw you to God or away from Him. It'll either draw you to God or away from Him. You have the decision to make as far as how you're going to respond to it. And our natural tendency is to cry out to Him and to say to Him, God, take this away from me. And let me just stop for a moment. Some of you beat yourselves up because you're doing that. You're thinking, oh, I shouldn't do that. Why? You're His child. Listen, some of you have got little ones, and if they go and scrape their knee or, or whatever, or they get a splinter in, do they just sit there and hold it in and say, oh, I better not go to mommy with that one. No, they go to mommy to what? Take care of it. So it's natural for us to go to our father and say to him, Lord, I need your help. It's a choice we've got to make. That's the nature of suffering. But I want you to notice now, Paul goes on in verses 9 and 10, and he tells us about the grace of God. Look with me in verse 9. Notice what he says. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my weakness is made perfect. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, would I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here's the thing I want you to notice about the grace of God. First of all, God does not promise to take away suffering. I know that there are some folks who, who believe that God wants you to be healthy, but I'll be honest with you, you're not going to find that in the New Testament. Here we have the apostle who has written half of the New Testament, and he's telling you he's got a problem. He's pled with God three times to take it away. He describes it as an instrument of torture. God didn't say, I'll take it away. Some of you right now, you're going through the midst of some sort of problem. And it maybe has been going on for years. Some of you, you're struggling right now with a health issue that just has been sprung upon you. Some of you are struggling financially. And you're asking God to just take it away. In fact, you're getting angry with God because He's not responding the way that you think He should be responding. You're getting angry because He isn't taking away the health problem. He isn't taking away the suffering. He isn't taking away the pain. But my friends, what I want you to see is that God doesn't promise to take it away. Because you're a Christian does not mean you have a special exemption from pain. Man, I realized that real quick. I'd only been saved a year when I got the phone call that my dad had been murdered. And the many pains afterwards. Never forget it. Getting ready to go to Kerwinsville football game. Kids got their jackets on. We're getting ready to go. My mom calls up weeping and crying and tells me my brother just died of a heart attack. 38? And I don't know what to do. I go to the game and I'm zombied at a game. It happens. And you can sit there and share all the stories from your life too. He doesn't take it away. That is reality. You say, now what does that got to do about the nature of grace? Look at look, the grace of God. Notice what he says there. The next thing he says is this. God's grace is sufficient for our needs. God's grace, the strength, the peace that passes all understanding, even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of your suffering, you can have 
a calmness of soul because of his grace. It's sufficient. See, that's what will get you through it. You know, I'll never, I'll never forget about it. I've shared it with you before. I'll share it again. In my first church, the last year we were there, and we had, there were struggles and stuff in the first three years, but we had a great time and things were happening at the church. The church is growing. We paid off $27,000 worth of debt. We're looking at building a new building. And then all because of a basement, the church just kind of blew up into a big thing. And Lori and I are just sitting there dazed and, and, and at night, Lori and I, we always talk at night. When we were at Angus, I would say to her, go to bed, I need to pray. And I would spend time in prayer. And I, and I would say, God, what's going on? Why is this happening to me, Lord? What's going on with the church? You know, we love this people. What's going on, God? You gotta... And he would never tell me that he was going to take care of a problem. But I'll tell you what, I went to bed with peace every night. He would never tell me what was coming down the road. But he gave me strength to face it. His grace is sufficient. See, some of you right now, you're struggling, you're wrestling, you don't know how you're going to get through it, but the problem is, is you're not going to God to help you through it. You're trying to do it on your own because you're angry with Him because He didn't take it away. But He didn't promise He would take it away. What He promised you, you're not going for. That's the grace to see you through it. That's the grace to see you through it. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. And here's the other point he makes here. Notice with me. His strength is found in our weakness. Look, let's be honest, we're weak. I don't care how big we think we are, how we're weak. We can't handle it. I already told you. Suffering happens, it strips us of our self sufficiency, it strips us of our pride. The reality is, is you can't handle everything life throws at you. But you know what? In the midst of your weakness, all it takes is an admission. An admission to Him and say, Lord, I can't do it. I need You. I need You for this day. I need You for this hour. Some of you have got to ask Him for the hour. Some of you have got to ask Him for a minute. Lord, give me one more minute. I can't bear with it. He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. See, His grace is sufficient. Now, I want you to notice the Apostle Paul's response. Now, you might think he's weird, but you've got to understand he's come to a conclusion in the midst of his pain and his suffering. Notice what he says, verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. You say, boy, he sounds really sick. Does he enjoy suffering? No. He's just like you and I. He doesn't want suffering in his life, but he's come to realize that in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his suffering, there's God. C.S. Lewis said this, that God shouts in the midst of our pain. God's speaking to you in the midst of your pain. Let's draw some application. First thing, ask yourself this question. How do you react to suffering in your life? Be honest. 
Don't give me the spiritual answer. Well, I'm, I'm handling it okay, George. Bring it on. Give me a break. I'm not doing too good. Be real. In fact, I would encourage you to be real with God. I looked just this week. Downstairs in the office. It's often a good thing that nobody else is here but me. Because sometimes I talk to God. And this week I was loud with God. You were loud with God? You're alive? Yes. Have you not read the Psalms? I was expressing to God this week some frustrations. How do you react? Does suffering draw you to God or away from Him? How do you react? It's a choice you've got to make. Are you angry with Him? And it's okay to be angry as long as it brings you to Him and you turn around and you say, Thank you, Lord. Or you get angry with Him and you walk away from Him. How, how do you react to suffering? You've got to ask yourself that's great. That's a really real question. The, ex, the other thing I want you to understand, and here's the conclusion of the application, it's okay to cry out to God. Listen, when you cry out to Him, it's okay to Him and say, Lord, I don't know why I'm going through this. Why? It's okay to ask why. It's okay to tell Him how much you're hurting. It's okay to tell him, Lord, I thought you could take care of this. Why? It's okay to be frustrated. But the key thing is that you go to him and you tell him how you're feeling. In fact, let me help you a little bit. If you want to have an assignment, I'll give you an assignment. There won't be a quiz next week. But the assignment is this. Read through the Psalms. You know what the Psalms are? Most of the Psalms are called laments. They're a form of poetry called a lament. And lament is a crying out. And a lot of times you'll read where the psalmist will say, God, where are you? My enemies are encompassed around me. God, they want to seek my life. Where are you, God? God, why have you allowed this to happen? And always, as he expresses his lament and his cry out to God, he always comes around and says, God, I praise you because you are there. And you will watch over me. It's okay. It's okay. When you scrape your knee and you've got a splinter, you go to your mom. But when life scrapes your knee, it gives you more than just splinters. It's okay to go to your Heavenly Father and to talk to Him. That's reality. And finally, find your strength in Him. Find your strength in His grace. Some of you, you are here, you are really struggling, you're really wrestling. You're saying, George, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't know if I can make it through one more day. The pain is so real. The hurt is so big. How can I make it through one day? You need to go to God. And you need to find your grace in God. You need to find your grace in Jesus. He died for you. He gave you victory. You go to Him and you cry out to Him and say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. Not I, but You. Not I, but Christ in me. That's my hope of glory. That's grace. That's grace.
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.